Teachers are so important. Like, they actually are. Care about it and, like, actually try. I believe it is a beautiful piece of art. Welcome along to See Me After Class for 2020. This is a podcast that emanates from a beautiful school in the southern Alps of New Zealand. Now, let's meet the team. And here is Cathy, a parent who aspires to make connections in a community to build a successful future. This is Chris, who aspires to be an agitator who tests the boundaries just to see how the system reacts. And this is Anna, a silent observer who's a go-between between the students and the teachers in a classroom. This is Renee, who aspires to forge a progressive and creative path. And together, we are See Me After Class. This is week three of Term 1 and episode 37. And welcome along both Kathy and Renee. Hello, Chris, Kathy. Hello, Renee, Chris. Here we are. <laughs> we are. We're back in the English office on a stunning morning here at, at our school. And we're anticipating quite a significant event for the day. We sure are. It's, um, you know, it may only be week three, but uh, first round of parent-teacher conferences are upon us already. And boy, I say this, I think I said this last year, but it feels early again. Yeah. But I don't know, I, can't, I don't have a framework as a parent for whether it's early or late. I guess it does feel early because it's not that long since I've gone back to school. Yeah. Hmm. On the other hand, they're exhausted already and it is only week three. Yeah. I think the intention of having them early is that we meet each other. So we're setting up the relationship that we can hopefully build on throughout the year. But at the same time, I often there are some problems with this. Uh, I often find that I sit down, a parent arrives, I have to be honest i may have seen their child four times in groups of 25 or so i'm just learning their name and being confident that i know which student that is and the parent will ask how are they going and i'm thinking how are they going i barely know them (laughs) and so i do always turn that around and say well actually can you tell me things about yourself and if your parents can help with that that i that will help me work well with you this year because actually this is for us to meet each other this is the purpose of this meeting and once you do that they will often come up with Sometimes information that no one else knows that is crucial to understanding how to work well with them. Other times they may ask about the course and I find myself verbalizing the content of the course, which I've just emailed to everyone over and over again. But everybody's just doing their best to kind of start things off. Well, and you have to remember that people have to hear information multiple times for it to sink in and mm. different media. So hearing it in person after seeing it in an email is really helpful. I think one of the um, moments that I, uh, I don't think dread is the right word, but it's that there's an element up there is if the parent turns up without the child yes. and kind of left oh. guessing <laughs> whose parent is this, yeah. who's the child, I'm just not quite sure. That's right, they do sometimes sit down and start talking to you as if you should know who they're the parent of. And exactly. <laughs> I think that's quite funny. Well, that's a good time to institute just basic courtesy yeah. um, of, hi, I'm so-and-so, you must be, you know, who are you? Yeah. That's... Which I have to say, as the um, alien Kiwi, is something this country isn't very good at. Sweeping generalization. No, that's right. I don't find people are very good at sticking out their hand and, and um, introducing themselves. There's a lot of assumption about who you might be. 
Oh, it's so true. In fact, it, and I agree, and I use a protocol. I stand up, I put my hand out, I introduce myself, shake their hand, and usually you would think that's enough of a cue for them to say who they are, but they don't. So I then have to say, and who are you? <laughs> <laughs> the guessing game begins. Yeah. Child, you belong to me. Yeah, and then, of course, they use a child's name, and I'm, I can barely put a face to that name. So one of the things I'll be doing before we sit down tonight is I'll be looking through the list of appointments that I have and I'll be just quietly registering who's who and what the names of the parents are and trying but it happens at seven minute intervals so you've got this barrage of people one after another we're all sitting in the gym all together so there's about a hundred teachers and therefore you know a couple of hundred parents at least and well actually a lot more than that I would say a couple of hundred parents for every teacher there's about Oh my goodness, know. the numbers. Yeah, it is well, We teach times. a few hundred yeah. kids and each of them has two parents. And <laughs> but some have more than two parents because the set parents yeah. come in and they all arrive and they've got two separate interview slots. So you've got a whole raft of people in this yeah. environment that's relative. I, I mean, I, I don't know for you guys, but I find it relatively noisy. And so I try mm. to go into my wee bubble of my desk and the people in front of me to sort of isolate myself off. But it's, um, it's an experience. It is chaotic. The first time I went as a parent, it was really overwhelming, definitely loud. And just so the listeners do get this, I mean, truly, truly the gym, no, no dressed up anything. It is the gym with a hardwood floor, uh, school desk, traditional school desks, one per teacher, one chair per teacher, two, usually two, not three chairs sitting in front of the desk. So there's this constant musical chairs of pulling from different places, which makes a noise on the ground. Mm. It is just this... The constant movement, constant chaos, and then you have to find the teachers, and you know, neither the student nor the parent may have any clue where they might be, even though I now know, after a few years, they're alphabetical, but you know, even that's not signaled, so, so much to learn. Yeah. There's also a bell that goes off every seven minutes to signal <laughs> the end of your time with each other, so we're really rolling them through. It's, it's right, and I mean, so what do you think? You think it's a good thing to do? Yes. So this is me jumping in with my parent hat saying, parent interviews, I love them. I just love them because it is that window into the world. And we talked last week about what we as parents feel we know or don't know or care about or not. And this helps. It's all there on a platter. Um, You still have to ask the right questions sometimes because some teachers will have their set patter that just goes down and some teachers will ask turn it on the student right away they're all different ways i observe teachers managing this particular experience but it is an opportunity for parents to connect with you and they those are few and far between and so i really welcome it by contrast in my house particularly this year i have found my students not very enthusiastic about going they don't see the point there's a lot of that but we we work through that and by the time they turn up they will be there with a polite look on their face and we will have a conversation. And as you say, the early in the year is great for setting the scene and for just establishing a relationship and a bit of goal setting just to know what's expected. So then in my role in terms of supporting them, I need to know what that roadmap looks like and how can I make sure that they have in their own head what those milestones might be. So I find it super helpful. Yeah, I certainly because I care about the parents of the kids that I teach, I like the chance to meet them early on. I've always been in favor of the early parent interview. And 
the framing of it as an opportunity to meet and understand each other. And I feel like because perhaps a lot of the work I do in the classroom is unusual, I feel it's almost important that I front up to the families and say, I'm the person who's doing this stuff with your son or daughter and, and, and by all means be involved because I think that's only fair. Otherwise, they'll potentially hear some what might even be alarming reports about things that are said or done in the classroom and without understanding the character or the intention of the person setting that stuff up for them, they could easily develop some quite strong misgivings and quite realistically so. So I think as part of the fact that I like to challenge the kids in the classroom, I also think it's important that I meet their parents and set up a relationship with them. So I'm happy with that. But I just struggle with the format. Like that, that theory is great, but when I have to speak to 38 different sets of families at seven minute intervals after a day of work, like today I will get home at 7.30 to 7.45 and I won't even be able to speak. It'll have been so exhausting. And that's actually okay because I can do very little work tonight and that, but tomorrow it mm. hits. I have to then get back into the classroom tomorrow and I have to function normally and I am wasted from the exercise of the night before so the only issue i have really is the way that these things are often done but not but not resourced so that they are and that's the same with the number of desks like in order to get that gym set up for the parent interviews we have to interrupt all our classes period four and ask them all to carry their desks and chairs over to the gym because there's no there's no other way of doing it it's the but it's a it's a lot it's a very much a um there is a lot of sequencing and planning and structuring to it, but it's not well resourced. There's not a, there's not a service that runs that. There's not people that will come and set up the furniture. There's not a um, there's not a time allocation given to it. It's just something we're asked to do as an addition to our work. And I think that's something I struggle a little bit with because I feel like the it, to it's it's hard not to dread it, even though I want it, just because of how hard it actually is. It's. I, I feel the same. I mean, tomorrow, come tomorrow morning, walking back into class and into a, you know, four hours of teaching in a row, it's um, it's it's diff difficult to do. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that that energy that goes into something like this, it is worthwhile. We meet the parents, mm. we get the communication pathways sort of going and things like that. But it um, it's draining. And I, I have wondered if there's a different way to do it. I remember when I went to high school, we would go around um, the classrooms of each different teacher. And I mean, you're still engaging on that, you know, one-to-one -one basis and um, there's maybe two teachers in one classroom and that sort of thing but it, it seemed a lot less sort of um, uh, I guess I'm going to use Kathy's word of chaotic um, mm. and, and a lot less sort of set up in that um, you know structuring needed um, to make to pull it all off so yep. surely. As, and the other thing is of course I, I teach you know students in, who number up to in the hundreds I don't have 100 slots available. I have mm. 38 plus 38. So a lot of parents just don't get a look in. So, so the system's not set up really to, to cater for the demand that exists. And yet, I don't want two more nights of this. <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you actually do that? And I, I guess there are some answers to that, but the school system doesn't support those answers very well. Like if we said, well, well how about we allocate a school day to that? Well, we can't actually because there's legislation around that. So that would be another, that would have to be one yeah. of our holiday days. Yeah, you'd either have to add another day on at the end of the year. And yeah, so it just extends it out again. Yeah, I think that would be okay though. I think it is important that it works for you on behalf of families. Thank you. I do. I can see it in, in everyone's eyes on those, particularly at the end of an evening. 
and to think you've got to do it all again a week later, um, I do get that it is a huge effort, but know that it is value, um, yeah. value for us that we do appreciate. It's actually really but, nice to hear this because the, the perception you can develop is that we're all engaging in this elaborate dance to show goodwill wow. and no one's actually gained much from it does that make sense and so it's very pleasing to think that the intention of it which is to build those relationships is actually coming true well maybe it maybe it would be easier just to accept yes it is indeed an elaborate dance and there's a lot of structure to it and rigmarole and palaver but it is worth it in the end yeah i know that we've we've talked before about this and chris has raised this idea of a town meeting style for the beginning of the year to get to meet your parents on a you know the class of parents arrives and you sort of talk to them in your classroom as a whole and mm. and I do find often a lot of parents have similar questions and so you know with that sort of forum those things can be addressed quite easily yeah I've had that with the tri club like so we have our yeah. annual meeting and the families of the students who are involved come along and we meet and we speak we're, we're together for about an hour and a half so it's it's much shorter period of time but also a smaller group of people I do find that a much more positive forum we discuss all sorts of things in that time parents get a long period of time to interact not just with me but also with each other mm. and we contemplate the year ahead and we talk about the priorities that I have and the priorities that they have and I kind of feel, although it may not be true, that they're encouraged by each other to speak more directly and frankly about the things that may concern them or the things they're hoping for. I don't know how easy that is for parents in a one-to-one -one parent interview situation. I think we're talking about two different functions or, or even outcomes because mm. what you can do in a group setting is different from what you can do in a one-on-one -on -one conversation about an individual child, mm. but there is benefit to both. So I can see how what you're describing, Chris, would be really useful. And also the idea of getting together with my children's peers and their parents is really useful because so much of what we know as parents is that being connected to our kids' friends and our kids' friends' parents is essential to just, just surviving this yeah. whole phase of life. And particularly when we get to tricky behavior areas, um, it, it's so important to have positive peer pressure among the parental set but that's definitely a topic for another podcast is mm. peer pressure at both children and parent level yeah um but i think you know there was take your take your daughter to work day in my professional life mm. you know in america and it was such, such so revolutionary you could take a child along i think it'd be great if you if we had a take your parent to school day yeah. and we could go class by class and then you have that opportunity to talk to all of us in about um, about English and mm. what my child is going to be anticipating, and that would be really good at the beginning of the year. And then maybe you have the one-on-one -on -one, um, scenario later as that check-in and, and progress report. Yeah. So I can see benefits to both in different settings. I can definitely see benefits to both. I think what one of the things that you're that you bringing this up is one of the things that's important to be frank about is that I think in some ways by having one-to-one -one interviews with you and the child, we're setting up an expectation that we can't fulfill. I never, the only time I see that child on their own is with you. The rest of the time I'm working with them and 27 others. And my, so my work is one-to-many. And while I may be able to give them individual written feedback, 
the whole framing of the way I do my work is one to many. It's a group of people cooperatively working together towards a goal where individuals are having to have their, their, their kind of diverse needs met within that context, not separate from it. So I think one of the things that parents maybe don't see when we isolate you and just meet you with your own child is that that's not a natural situation for the teacher nor the child. We don't interact like that normally. And and so anything that we're trying to achieve or implement actually doesn't happen in that one-to-one setting. It happens in a one-to-many setting. See, that's so fascinating to me because I would have thought that if my child ever wanted to go talk to you know, you as, as teachers or as deans that they could always access you, which I'm sure they can. They have the right to, but, but it does it happen? It wouldn't happen often or what I'm hearing is possibly even ever. If there's a one-to-one conversation, it's still happening usually around a group of 25 to 30 other students. They're never, you're never isolated off with a student in, in that same sense that you are with their, with their parents and themselves at the parent-teacher conferences. It's still in a, gl- a classroom format. Like it's not... Yeah, they don't have that kind of privacy. Yeah. Now, of course, they can't, they can't act. No, well, it's true. It's really important to be honest about that. They, they exist largely in groups at school. And so that's why they're so, that's one of the things that underpins their heightened sense of uh, vulnerability to the opinions of others. Everything they do is done under the scrutiny of others, not just teachers, but also their peers. They, they, don't, they are always under, they're always in sight. Well, and then if you add the, the parent makes that and then they come home and they're going to get the peppered with questions about mm. your day and expectations about how much homework do you have and all that sort of stuff, it does help reframe their experience. Yes, they're not going into a private space at work like a lot of others might. They're going into a very public, very, very performative space. And, and so neither are you. And, and same, same with us. And that's the thing. We, we nominally are available to every student individually, but in practical terms, we're too busy. We, we have very little time outside of that time when we're working with that large group of people to be available to those kids. And we want to be available to them. And we try and express our openness to those things. But in truth, it doesn't happen much. No, it doesn't. And, and, and largely, I... I have found, and I don't know if this is true for you as well, Chris, they don't tend to seek that from us. No. You know, they 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 appear to find their place in, in the in the group setting and they seem to work within that reasonably successfully, I've found. And and you do you you're always going to form a rapport and a relationship with individual students and get to know them individually. I don't think that's you know, it's important to make that clear as well. But you're still getting to know the individual within the group and it's always going to be operating in that context and they seem comfortable there. Yes, I think they do find the parent interviews challenging because they actually have to sit across the table from their teacher and address individual questions that are kind of in a private mode. That is a very intense engagement with someone who they have a different relationship with. It's yeah, a bit yeah, like, I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that we're famous or in any way, but, but it would be a bit like putting someone on a table across someone who, who was in the media who they admired and they, were, and they, and they knew them and they, they engaged with them, but they didn't engage with them like that, not one-to-one. Hmm. So I you're, often, you're both watching me process all of this, but, but that makes a lot of sense and it does help. It'll frame the conversations I have this afternoon in the parent-teacher interviews. It'll be interesting to see what, what it does 
do to your perception of what's happening at that moment. I must admit though, and again, it's probably because of my preoccupation with the students, but I probably consider the parent interviews to be more about student-teacher conferences. Like yes. I, I'm one of those teachers who addresses largely the student and I'm really actually just trying to find out some things about them under their students kind of scrutiny that are important to know. So for me, while meeting the parents is fundamental, I feel like I'm meeting parents by demonstrating my good intentions to their child while interacting with the child so that they can kind of see what I am like in relation to their child and what I ask of the children and what I ask and, and what I, and the sort of things I'm curious about are hopefully instructive to the parents. They are. I think it is useful and because we're hearing things that I wouldn't hear my child say the same thing to me mm. that they might say to you when you ask them those direct questions. So it does work. And I do like the idea that the, that the students get to show a side of themselves that their parents might not see in a situation where they're having to interact with their teacher. I think it's important, like these, we, we call these team up conferences here and I really, I like that because really what we're doing is establishing this child's learning community around them, involving the parents, making sure those pathways are open and letting them say some things if, if they're on their mind, but yeah. So we definitely it's all coming. want it. <laughs> we definitely want it. I think I do worry that every time we have we have a conversation in this podcast, I I seem to work in a reference to things being difficult, and I and I and I don't want to end up being the person who's always doing that. I don't want to be always that voice. And oh, don't worry. I'm I'm so glass half full that. I'll counteract that okay. every time. We can do it that way. Well, it is. I mean, also, it's incredibly reassuring to hear that parents find it valuable. <laughs> do you have any goals for yourself this evening that you want to achieve from these conferences? Is there anything in particular you'd like to see happen? And because I thought if we ask these questions now of ourselves, then next time we speak, we can talk about whether it whether we're able to fulfill our expectations. Just fundamental expectations for the year, um, some sort of uh, map of, of where that particular subject area is going, what will be expected of my child, and then I need to think about how I, and maybe hear from the child, um, mm. what they're, it, I learn a lot by seeing how they interact with, with the teacher and with the subject even, because it does vary. I mostly come in thinking, right, I've got seven minutes, how do we make the most of that time? Um, so, so I'll be doing that. Awesome. Renee? Yeah, I guess I'll be getting through the like marathon that it sort of feels like in the at the by the end. But um, no, yeah, for me, I've said this already. It's about building the connection and opening the communication up, so that you know we can have continue to have conversations throughout the year if need be around around the student. Yeah, my goal is always to say less. And every year, I do not achieve my goal. <laughs> and other though a goal I have managed to get much closer to achieving is staying on time because of that very, very structured seven-minute timetable. If I speak over that time, or if we talk over that time, it sets the whole system out, and people are late for other... It just becomes chaotic, even more chaotic. So my that's the thing I have got right, but it also involves some social skills, like ending something that really ideally wouldn't end. I've had to develop the skill of finishing a conversation and moving people on who don't want to go. Hmm. That's a really valuable skill and please use it. I find that far too many people are too wishy-washy. Yeah. I mean, I'll do that in a conversation and in a parent-teacher interview yeah. as well. I'll know, uh, I, I'll be aware of how the time's going and hmm. try to try to move it in a direction. So yeah. um, by all means, 
Yeah. You, get, you get the parents that linger around waiting for you to sort of wrap that conversation up so then you really know it's time that yeah, yeah, their that's conversation's helpful. cut. But yeah. you also get people who come and sit down because they think you, they see you they see you at a table <laughs> and they're there and I think, are you the person I'm meant to be speaking to? And sometimes they're quite hard to move on. I say, there will be someone here in a minute and it's their slot. <laughs> it's yeah. quite interesting because I'm not used to having to do that negotiation with parents. The lists are helpful though. Rely on your tools. Yeah, that's right. The bell and the list, that's what they're there for. But you have to keep your head about you who is this person sitting in front of me are they the person whose name's on the list like honestly I I find that very hard (laughs) well good luck with that we'll look forward to hearing how you come up and you as well next week and yeah check in and see if we meet our goals yeah it sounds great cheers thanks bye Hey team, I've been out on this beautiful Friday afternoon visiting our students and asking them about parent-teach interviews. The way that I've kicked this off is I've said to them, please finish this sentence, parent-teach interviews are, so here are all of their responses. A great way to find out what your teachers actually think of you in front of your parents. Um, to help my teachers know what my learning ability is. Uh, not useful because I feel like you don't get enough time to actually like say anything that you want to say. Pretty much a waste of time. Ah. Uh, Pointless. Ah. Uh, They're alright. <laughs> interesting. It depends. I don't believe in the, st- the teacher interviews at the start of the year because the teacher's still getting to know you and they probably don't know half the students in their class just yet. For some people it's really good because um, a lot of parents don't really know what their kids are up to and they don't um, like talk about what they're doing at school very much so it's nice for the parents to get to know the teachers and get to know what their children are actually doing and who they're with all the time. I think it's more for the new kids because all the teachers already know who we are by year 13 so that's it. I feel like the first parent-teacher interviews are a little bit pointless like the ones in the middle of the year are good because then the teachers can talk to your parents and talk to you about what you need to work on and how you're doing in that class specifically but the ones at the start I feel like are a little bit pointless especially if your parents already know the teachers like when you're this far into the school like year 12 you pretty much I've been with most teachers that I would have so my mum already knows them so we just don't do the start ones. This was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week. <laughs>